It's four minutes past ten, and joining us now from somewhere in Alaska, I guess Haines, Alaska, our good friend Mr. Abbott. Hey, Al, what's going on in Haines, Alaska? Oh, it's the American Bald Eagle Foundation's festival that happens every November. I believe this is the 24th. Uh, yesterday I was sure it was the 24th. Today I'm not quite <laughs> so sure, but right around 24 anyway. So it's a, a wonderful place to be, and it is a, a place of exquisite beauty. Are you leading a tour, or are you just kind of hanging out, just enjoying yourself, not doing a tour? Uh, Doing a little bit of uh, everything was in Juneau for a while. Now we're in Haines, and uh, we uh, were involved. I've been on the board of the foundation for a long time. Used to work for them, and uh, then got uh, demoted to a board position. So uh, (laughs) no tours. There's uh, some locals doing that. Some friends are doing that. So people that want to go out to look at eagles and things. Uh, there's a lot of other things to see. The beauty of the mountains. Uh, we're right on the Lynn Canal here, so there's lovely water and and ducks. I was looking at some harlequin ducks in uh, Juneau before I came here. One of my favorite ducks in the world. They're just uh, ex- they are so beautiful. Uh, words aren't, aren't available to describe their beauty. Went out to St. Teresa's. Uh, cathedral in uh, Juneau and my favorite place to go in Juneau everybody has a place that they enjoy the most because it's a very touristy place but that is my favorite place because it's very quiet and, uh, uh, it, it's just a lovely place to be to go walk and there's a lot of retreats and things there so I'm sure a lot of folks are there for grief counseling and all these kind of things that go on in quiet hermitage-like places. But it's my favorite place to go there. I just uh, love walking around in the quiet. And the um, northwestern crows, which are uh, a smaller bird than our crows. Our crows are American crows. These northwestern crows here are a bit smaller. And they hang around where there's water, and when the tide gets low, it opens up to all these various creatures that have shells. Uh, in this case, it was mainly mussels. And the crows would grab these mussels, fly up in the air, and then drop them onto the pavement. Uh, and then they would crack open, and they would fly down and eat them. So there were uh, hundreds of crows all enjoying this wonderful meal. A lot of gulls of various species were there, bald eagles. It was just a a lovely place. The only thing you really heard was the the waves uh, crashing against the rocks and the the sounds of the birds. So it was um, a special place to be, and it was one of those that I could... uh, I could just hang out all day just standing in one spot and watching things. Uh, it's it's a, a very beautiful part of the world, as is Minnesota. It, uh, it's just uh, it's fun to be here. How's the weather? Got a, um, How's the weather, Al? Because that's uh, something we always, <laughs> we always have to ask that. Yeah, it was uh, snowing off and on in Juneau. Oh. So they just started just started getting snow there. Uh, everywhere up here has been dry. Haines in September got th- three one-hundredths inches of rain, and on average they get 
0.35 inches of rain in September. So for them, they've been extremely dry. Haynes, I tell everyone, is kind of where the tundra meets the rainforest. So they do get a lot of moisture here. And uh, so it's it's not good when they don't get a lot, but it's been raining more now. And they've been getting, uh, um, there's no snow really here now, but I'm sure there will be. As uh, I think Thursday they're talking about snow coming in and and rain. So we're hoping to maybe see some northern lights before that happens. Oh, nice. Uh, the night before we got here was a, a nice display of northern lights. That makes any trip uh, uh, amazing when you can watch the northern lights dance across the nighttime sky. So it's uh, it, the weather, it's temperatures, so, you know, 30, 32, 34, somewhere, depending on where you go. In Juneau, where people fly into the airport or come in on the cruise ships, it can be one temperature, and then you go out by the Mendenhall Glacier, it's like you're in a, a different part of Alaska. The temperature's different. It might be raining or snowing there. It's just a, a, a great change in that small area because uh, Juneau is uh, the largest state capital as far as land area but one of the smaller ones as far as population, I believe Montpelier in, in Vermont is the smallest. I think they're only like 7,500 or so, but uh, Juneau is pretty small, but uh, the land area is gigantic. Uh, so you can't drive out of Juneau. If you want to get out of Juneau, you have to take a boat or a plane, but you can drive a, quite a little ways. I think when we went to one place, we, we drove 24 miles to get there from where we were. So there's a little bit of driving, but still compared to, to Minnesota, where you drive from from Mankato to Duluth or to International Falls or to Ely, it's just you drive and you drive and you drive and you drive. And Boy, you can't do that in Juneau. You come and you drive, and here's a sign that just says road ends, huh. and uh, sure enough, it does. Do you take a lot of little ferries then? Get, do you, Al, do you take ferries and planes, or, or what What all sorts of transportation do you use? Sled dogs? <laughs> yeah, we have done that in the past, but not this time, but... Yeah, ferries. We love the ferries. Uh, I think the one yesterday took over five hours wow. uh, to get from Juneau to Haines, so which is about 80, 80 miles. And they usually, the slow ferry takes four and a half hours, and yesterday it was a little slow, so it, it was a little bit uh, longer. There was some really strong winds. Uh, I like to walk on the deck of the ferry and go round and round. And a lot of people uh, get their sleep. There's cabins on the ferry, so they just uh, take the opportunity to get a nap in. But uh, I saw some folks go out on the front of the uh, ferry, which was the uh, Kennecott, and they're out there, and, boy, they were just uh, looked like they were about ready to be blown right off the front of the ferry. I didn't... Uh, I was not properly dressed, which is my standard way of going everywhere, not properly dressed. So I was out in the front for quite a while till the wind got so severe that it was it was kind of cold. So I took my camera back towards the back of the, uh, the ferry where I was protected from the wind, and it was just as lovely to see everything from, from that point, too. So it was... 
it was a great trip. Uh, met a lot of uh, old friends, and it was fun getting off the ferry in Haines and getting hugs from uh, from friends. So it was, uh, makes you feel good when you get off, and somebody somebody's glad to see you because you know, or you, some places you go, people aren't always that happy to see you. They don't. So, <laughs> but uh, it was pretty nice seeing. Um, seeing old old friends and we hope to uh run into a lot more of them here so it's we've been coming up here for a long long time and have uh, made some lasting relationships and uh, i'm most appreciative of those good people that they uh, put up with me speaking of guys who put up with me tom belsha who's a friend from glenville sent me a photo of a giant water bug that had landed on him Tom has a uh, place in Elberly. It's called Elberly Elevator, and they buy grain and that sort of thing. And he was just going about his daily work day, and one of these things landed on him. He said, about knocked him over. It was so big. And he was, you know, man, we exaggerate a little bit, but it's oh, a giant water bug. is probably two and a third inches long, maybe, and an inch wide. That's a big insect when it when it hits you. Uh, Carl Rowe said there's a Carolina wren uh, seen and heard calling and singing in the southwest portion of Rasmussen Woods Park in Mankato. First saw it a little after 10 a.m. Uh, shoot, I'm not sure what morning that was. But in the morning, anyway, he said there's a boardwalk in the southwest area of the park that connects to the Red Jacket Trail to the west. The bird has been near the east end of this boardwalk and right now is singing a little way south of the boardwalk yeah carolina wrens uh cool things they have been wintering farther north over the last few decades and uh, a pair will remain together all winter and forage on their territory and uh, the male is very vocal so you can hear them pretty much any time of the year uh, John Nelson of Buford said late afternoon in a very low light, the pond on 158th Street on the north side of Perch Lake saw 28 probable Dowichers, the large pond east of Perch along 153rd Street. There were several hundred mallards and a number of shovelers. The harvested cornfield on the east end of Perch, we counted 70 swans, nine of them were cygnets. Too many to be trumpeters, too early for tundras. A pair of trumpeters on perch, another pair on the pond along uh, County 10 outside Buford. Visits at our feeders by redbreast and nuthatches daily, and a number of people reported seeing them at their feeders while I was at Pet Expo on Saturday. Um, yeah, it's just uh, swans are beauties. Uh, Tom Jessen of Medelia said, Hi, Al, a friend of mine, Chris. Lillo in Alaska just posted this, thought you might find it interesting. Uh, Chris Lillo says, we have an interesting situation here in Seldovia regarding these crows. Um, this is Al adding this. Seldovia is in the Kenai. Uh, it's, I think it's fairly close to Homer. And this is back to Chris now. Crows are not native to this part of Alaska. The bigger brother, Raven, runs the show. Rumor has it that there was a movie filmed here in the 30s or 40s, and the film crew brought crows with them to be in some of the shots. They got away and formed a town flock. 
The flock has averaged about 80 birds through the years. The ravens and the crows seem to have established their own boundaries. The crows get the town and all its people, food, and the ravens keep their natural wild scavenging lifestyles out in the countryside, kind of like those Eagle Lake people. <laughs> I don't think he's talking, maybe he is talking about the Eagle Lake people. Huh? Uh, these town crows can spot a summer truck in no time when it's parked in front of the Crab Pot grocery store. They dig in and make off with as much free grub as they can before the owner steps out of the post office hollering and cursing about this box of expensive food left in the bed. They usually leave only greasy excrement. One really neat thing the town crows do is to pick blue mussels and snails off the rocks at low tide and fly high in the air above Main Street and drop them on the hard pavement. They do this over and over until the shell cracks and they get the slimy bugger inside. When people clean their gutters, they pull out snail, crab, and clam shells and the occasional starfish. Um, that was cool. Thanks, TJ and Chris. You mentioned and, crows, and we, Al. In Juno. Al. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. you mentioned crows, and I wanted to talk about them, too. I've been noticing a lot of crows around lately, and it seems like they're landing on the yards. Is there something in the yards right now that would attract them? Because they seem like they're getting something from the, the yards in my neighborhood in town here, and I don't know what it might be, but the, I don't know, is there bugs or worms or something coming up from there? Or I have no idea. There are just a lot yeah, of them. and they could be finding e- even some grubs, perhaps. Um, this is a time of year where we we do get a little bit of uh, animals digging up some of the uh, lawns and stuff, but they might be finding some grubs of one kind or another, and if there's uh, worms that are still out and about, they would certainly be finding them. They like worms. Gulls love worms. So they could be finding uh, those kind of things. The thing about crows are, and most birds are they're very, very good at finding something to eat. And crows, being omnivores, will eat just about anything. So it's hard telling exactly what they're finding, but I'm, I'm sure it's uh, of the insect variety of one kind or another. I hope it's the, the Japanese uh, beetle. I says I hope it's the Japanese beetle grubs because I want them all removed <laughs> before next year. <laughs> and I hope that's true. And uh, they are big kind of uh, oh uh, curled grubs, uh, pretty good size. The Japanese beetle ones. And they do like being in lawns, so I hope that is what they're finding. The um, Chris mentioned uh, the way they feed. It, we were here at uh, in Haines, not far from where the cruise ships dock, and the crows, northwestern crows, are doing the same thing. They fly up with the mussels and drop them. And if you go for a walk there, you can hear this tinkling sound as these things hit the ground and crack open. There's a difference in Juneau than in Seldovia in that if you're down by the airport and staying at one of the hotels or going to the McDonald's or to the local bakery or the the local bookstore there, what you see there are ravens. Ravens just kind of control the Juneau proper. They're just everywhere there. And if you go out in the edges where the... uh, where there's water, that's where you find the northwestern crows in Juneau. So it's kind of re- reversed from the goings on there in Seldovia. Um, 
Pamela Freeman said, I had to wipe my eyes and shake my head as I perceived that a patch of leaves was moving oddly, swishing back and forth, and now and then percolating up. Then I realized upon focusing that it was a small flock, a flockette or a flocklet (laughs) of fox sparrows busily kicking and scratching in the leaves as they do. They blended in so well with the mostly oak and some faded maple leaves and dogwood that I could barely make them out at first. It looked as if the leaves themselves were animated, made me smile. They resembled nothing so much as russet balls with tiny stick legs and tiny beaks. Their wings folded to mold against their ballish bodies. Uh, yeah, I love fox sparrows, and I saw some in our yard right before uh, right before I left. So it's uh, it's lovely to see them. Oh, I need to mention I talked about the uh, you and I talked about it, Karen, about the old farmers' almanac and what they were predicting. And right after I did that, I heard from one of the uh, editors of the farmers' almanac. Again, not to be confused with the old farmer's almanac and he said you know there is another farmer's almanac and he said the 2019 farmer's almanac predicts a colder than normal winter from the continental divide east through the appalachians and the farmer's almanac is located in lewiston maine it bases its long-range forecast on a mathematical and astronomical formula that was developed in 1818. It also predicts above-normal precipitation, much snow for the Midwest, with a majority of it falling in January and February. And it says the real, real teeth-chattering cold is to arrive in mid-February. So it's quite a different prediction than that from the old farmer's almanac, almost uh, almost completely opposite. So, so yeah, how, interesting. Do, how does that rate that one gets so, so different than the other when I'm assuming they base it on similar uh, statistics or data that they, they have from the past? That's kind of odd, it seems. Yeah, you... I, I don't know. I know the, the old farmer's almanac is big on sunspots, and I, I don't know. They have a different thing going on, but uh, well, I'm going to set this aside, and I'm going to keep track, see which one is uh, cool. The fellow is very, very nice, so it was, uh, it was good of him to, to give me a holler, and uh, it was fun hearing about him, and, and I, I, I love stuff like this, and I think most of us do. We just we like to pay attention to things like that and see how they do. And uh, it, uh, we get a big kick out of it when they're right. And, you know, we get a big kick out of it when they're wrong, too. So it's um, it's just one of those things that it's, uh, it's, it, was, it was good to hear from him. I, these common ravens that are up here, they are the, a songbird. So they're like a chickadee or a oh, goldfinch. But they're the world's largest songbird. And I forgot to add that when I was talking about the other things. One thing to look for at home now, I know a lot of folks want to get rid of common buckthorn, and the leaves will remain green in the fall. So that's one thing. You've got to look for leaves. And buckthorn has three or four upward curving veins on each side of the mid vein of the leaves. So when 
veins curve at the ends they approach the leaf when they approach the leaf margin the leaves are called arcuate uh, a-r-c-u-a-t-e the leaf margin or edge of the leaves are slightly serrated or toothed Uh, buckhorn berries are found only on mature female plants Uh, they become purple to purple black in late summer to early fall and each berry contains three to four seeds, and the stem of each berry attaches directly to the twig. This is uh, different than the berries of, oh, choke cherry or black cherry, where those berries are grouped, and they have a single seed each. Uh, non-chemical, uh, this person had asked, said, is there any non-chemical thing I can do? I, I just, I don't want to put any of the, the chemicals on the stumps or spray them. There are non-chemical things. They require a little bit of work. You can cut the trees and then cover the cut stump with a tin can or black plastic to prevent re-sprouting. So you'd have to use nails to fix the can or tie to fix the black plastic and then you're going to have to leave it in place for one or two years but it, it does work and that way you don't have to spray anything or do anything you're you know you're not comfortable uh, using maybe sprays or chemicals or you're opposed to the use and this is a good way to do it and you know it gives you an exercise if you're a step person get you a few steps walking out there and doing that kind of thing too it's a uh, it's a great battle to fight against buckthorn. It's very good uh, at what it does. It's uh, it's hardy is a polite way to say. It's just a hardy plant. You know, here's my my dilemma I, with uh, buckthorn, Al. I've got I've noticed it out by the lake house, and and you know, in town you really don't. I've noticed even some coming in town, and I pick it before it gets very big, but. At the lake house, my neighbors have a bunch of it growing on their hillside. Of course, we've got, you know, share like a little hillside and a little road between us. So is it rude to go say, hey, clear out your buckthorn? Or, you know, how do you approach somebody when you, you know, you basically are complaining about their landscaping, yet you know it's a bad thing to have buckthorn? It's just kind of like a Dear Abby thing. How would you how would you handle this? <laughs> it is. I guess you kind of sneak up on them, you know, just say, boy, I got all that buckthorn. You have some, do you have some buckthorn? Yeah. Have you wanted to get rid of it? And maybe they wanted to and just don't know how, or maybe I don't they think don't they, know about buckthorn. I don't think they know about buckthorn. I mean, I, I really, I really don't because they're just really not into landscaping so much. And of course I see it as, you know, dropping the seeds and we're creating more on my side and saying I don't want this but what do you do because they also have a lot of thistles that um Canadian or the, those um invasive thistles too so I don't think some people are just into it like some of us are yeah and if if they like just having nice vegetation around uh, um, native or otherwise I guess they'd want to get rid of the buckthorn because it does overcome other plants and sooner or later you end up with buckthorn and nothing else as far as understory things go so it um they might want to you know if you just talk to them someday and just say boy oh, oh there's some buckthorn 
and maybe they'd like to learn about it. And um, you can start off by telling them to make sure they don't eat this stuff because it uh, it runs through your system both lickety and split. Oh, really? Well, they you want uh, well, you want to eat the leaves of it? Are you talking about the ber- the berries or what? What are you talking about? The berries. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I made that mistake once as a young oh. person because I thought, well, they're choke cherry like, and I could eat <laughs> choke cherry, so I'd eat those things. And oh, no. um, it didn't spend a whole lot of time in my system. Oh, dear. It made a mad rush. So I guess if people are bothered by uh, what my dad always call it, being bound up, <laughs> I, guess I, I don't recommend eating these things, but they would certainly work. They just, uh, it was, I felt a. Um, a great need very suddenly after eating those things. And a good friend of mine, Arnie Ockrey, told me that his wife, they hadn't been long married, she was going to impress him because he liked choke cherry pie. Uh-oh. And she made him choke cherry pie, and he took a big bite out of it. And he said, I could tell there was something wrong, but we hadn't been married very long, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to say anything and hurt her feelings while she'd made it out of uh, buckthorn berries, this pie. So he said it wasn't very good, and he ate it, and he finally asked her, uh, well, he ate one piece, and finally (laughs) asked her, where'd you get those berries? And Uh she took him outside, and of course it was a buckthorn. And he said uh, they could laugh about it after a while. (laughs) There was uh, some tender moments there, or the opposite of tender moments. I hope everyone is getting out and voting uh, three or four times, at least. And uh, uh, Folks, remember, it's just uh, we need everybody to vote. This, what, uh, this is a wonderful, wonderful country, and part of that reason is that we, we are offered this great opportunity to take part in this, this process. This must be one of the first years you aren't an election judge, though. Aren't you usually the one that's one of the, the people that is there helping others to vote? I, um, I've i been head election judge forever and a day, but uh, this year voted early, so okay. we couldn't get away. And uh, so, yeah, it seems different. I'm still getting uh, all these text messages and phone calls and uh this stuff is here, do you need this, <laughs> can we do this, and uh, is this right, and so I'm still getting a number of those things, so I guess I'm still involved uh, to a, a substantial degree, even though I'm not uh, not there in person, but uh, I like being an election judge, it's fun, you get to, you know, it seems odd uh, in a small area where you kind of know everybody, but there's some people I see them at, uh, during the election that I really don't see the rest of the year. And uh, I love handing out those I voted stickers. I just think it's a, it's a cool thing. We used to have a business that would give free coffee if you came in with an I voted sticker. Nice. And um, maybe, maybe that's why they're not in business anymore. But <laughs> it was fun. We'd always uh, say, here, go across the street and get a cup of coffee. And they would trudge over there and get something to eat. I, um, I hope everybody, again, just gets out and votes. I hope you all have a, a wonderful, wonderful day. And treat yourself after voting and come to the cafe where the food chain is missing a few links. Special is always a Heimlich maneuver, and gravy is considered a beverage. And now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders where grease is good. And none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any. 
I uh, I have this, uh, you know, it's November. I was reading Emily Dickinson called November the Norway of the year. And I'd walked traveling by Chevrolets, is what I used to call them when I was a kid. Everybody had a different, I think my dad said he was going by Shanks Pony when he walked. So I came up, I said, well, I was traveling by Chevrolets. Uh, a good distance to get to the eat around at cafe. And I tried to walk like a Norwegian in honor of Emily Dickinson, but I didn't know how. <laughs> and I no more settled in a proper dining chair located in the comments section of the cafe. Every little cafe has a comment section. And when something happened that stunned the assembled chow hounds, two men came through the door. Now, that in itself was nothing exceptional. What shocked the assorted customers and loafers was that neither man wore a hat. I'm not sure I'd have believed that had I not seen it, but I swear it's true. I never did find out who they were, but I figured they were with the government or perhaps from another planet. <laughs> Remember, folks, Heartland is well worth driving past. Uh, thanks for having nothing better to do than listen to me. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Karen, I enjoyed your company. Uh, if folks want to come up and uh, visit here in Haines, come on up. You know, we're three hours uh, behind you good folks, so they still got time to get up here and uh, fly in, and um, we'd enjoy your company. Hey, Al, before you go, it wouldn't be a show with Al if we didn't have a question from our good friend John. So he wants to know, Perfect. why did the mummy not go on vacation? Why did the mummy not go on vacation? You know, when you repeat a question like that, you do that because you have no idea what the answer is. And you figure if you say it out loud, maybe some divine intervention will come and give you that. And, and that's not working. I don't know. Why did the mummy not go? It was too wrapped up in work. I, I don't know. It didn't want to unwind. <laughs> oh, I didn't want to unwind. John, that was very good. I don't know where you come up with all those, John, but uh, we appreciate them. They're all excellent. And uh, every so often I get one right, and then, oh, I am just, it makes my day. But it makes my day hearing from you anyway, John. Well, Al, you have fun in Alaska, and, uh, you know, have fun in the snow, because when you come back, there might be some here for you to enjoy as well. Oh, that'd be like a wish come true. One that's, it is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh. it, it can wait. I I don't know what there is about me this year. I don't. I, I don't think I'm getting curmudgeonly, but I could wait till Christmas for snow. I I'm really I'm could. with you. Thanks, Al. Great chatting with you. Bye bye. Thanks, Karen. Bye all. All right, our good friend Al Bat in Haines, Alaska, just having a lot of fun. It sounds like with the Eagle Watch up there, and it'd be nice to be up there.